Hey everybody, it's Jeff Ortiz, Love Big Love Wide guy, and welcome to the Love Big Love Wide podcast. In today's episode, we're going to feature my cousin, my brother in Christ, Christopher Ortiz. We're going to talk about his upbringing, the transitions in life, the changes in life that he experienced, and moving from um, place to place and how that impacted him and how he overcame that and how actually he utilized that to help him as an adult. I love this man. He's like a brother to me. He's the the brother my parents never gave me. (laughs) Uh, You you will pick up on his faith. You will pick up on his positivity, his spirit. There's a lot of similarities between Christopher and I. We've done a, a lot of work on ourselves and it's pretty evident with Christopher. As always, I just want to say thank you for joining me uh, on this journey in life. And my goal is just to bring you uh, the stories and, and the lives shared with people that I know and that uh, I hold dear to my life and, and that I've met along the way that uh, can encourage you and inspire you. And maybe make a connection with you and, and hopefully give you um, some practical tools and application and, and how you may be able to overcome some of the adversity that you're facing in life. So I, I thank you um, for following and listening. If you don't already, uh, you can follow me at, on Instagram at Jeff underscore Ortiz underscore LBLW for Love Big Love Wide. Uh, you can reach out to me via email at lblwguy at uh, gmail.com. And you can call me, text me, 626-261-3299. I'm here to help people. I'm here to help coach people to live their best version of themselves possible. And if I can encourage you, inspire you, and coach you to do that, I will. I'm here for that. So I would love to connect with you one way or the other. And without further ado, enjoy the podcast with my cousin Christopher Ortiz. Okay, so Christopher, welcome to the Love Big Love Wide podcast. Christopher is my cousin. Christopher Ortiz is my cousin. Uh, our dads are brothers, and we are cousins and brothers in Christ, and we love each other very much. I mean, I think you're going to pick that up pretty quickly in this uh, podcast. But Christopher, why don't you introduce yourself uh, to everybody listening? and uh, kind of give an overview of, of who you are. That sounds like a plan. And all things Jeffrey said is 100% true. Thank you for the uh, introduction opportunity. Uh, yes, yeah, so Chris Ortiz, that's me. And uh, a guy in my early 40s today, raising uh, children, married to a beautiful uh, individual that's adorable that's that's what i could say about my wife she's awesome um for me uh you know i live life uh pretty comfortably 
and uh, love sports, love baseball. Actually, cried tears last night because I was watching a pass game, and uh, as y'all know, right now with the COVID nineteen, we don't have a whole lot of sports. So I realized how passionate I am about baseball when I started shedding tears to the fact that we can't watch live sports. <laughs> so that's a little <laughs> bit about me. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. So wait, let's get back to you. You're watching what last night? You're crying. Why? Uh, Oakland A's baseball. I was watching Matt Olson hit a walk-off homer against the Houston Astros. It was his first. And I just realized that uh, I miss baseball. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a challenge, huh? When we love something so much and it's taken away from us. I mean, I'm sure a lot of us can relate to different aspects of life in which we love something so much and then it's taken away. So maybe we'll keep that on the back burner of, of uh, sharing your story and kind of relating to that and to the times that, that we're going through, right? Because we, we don't have an opportunity to watch live sports shoot, we can't even go to the grocery store without waiting in line to enter the building to hopefully get something that's stocked on the shelf. Interesting. Crazy times indeed. We were at two stores grocery shopping yesterday and both places said, uh, you know, for the sake of everybody shopping, please keep your distance six feet away. And it just felt like a movie. Really did. Yeah, uh, I had uh, somebody ask me, what what does this feel like? <laughs> and I, I said, it reminds me of being on timeout when I was younger. Um, and, and being put on timeout for something I didn't do, you know, most of the time I deserve timeout in the spanking. But, uh, you know, it's it's it was those times that really hurt when I didn't do something, but I still got put on timeout. And that, that's what it feels like, that restriction. You know? Yeah. It does. I do agree. So you are a, a loving husband, a loving um, father. Uh, and, you know, you're living life, you're doing life. And it sounds like life's been perfect for you, huh? Oh, far from perfect. But I'll say that I've been blessed. And yeah. uh, fortunately, I have grace of God uh, with me at all times. And I lean into that. You know, that's that's my strength right there. Uh, that and a, a wife who also loves the Lord. So that covenant solid. And uh, with those two things, you know, we can, we can endure, endure anything. So, right. Yeah. I was, I was being a little facetious when I was saying your life is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the, when, when I have a guest on the show, what the, the premise is to talk about um, some adversity that you faced in your life and how you overcame that. And so what is one adversity that you would like to tackle on this, on this podcast um, that you would like to share with the world of, you know, some sort of adversity that you've experienced and overcame? Yeah, I, I would have to go to uh, one of the most challenging times in my life was when I was 13, 14 years old. Uh, We lived in a little place called Paso Robles, California, which is in central California. Uh, Wine country down in Paso Robles. They also have a great great mid-state fair. They they do. The the California mid-state fair. Yeah, I've been been there uh, many times. It's awesome. Yep. Had my first concert there, Huey Lewis in the News. Uh, There you go. Back for those of you. (laughs) Awesome. 
so yeah, I lived in Paso Robles, uh, 13, 14, eighth grade, ninth grade, that time frame. And I started getting into some trouble with some friends. And my parents had spent the summer up in Idaho for, um, I don't know, two, three months on a job construction type of work um, the summer before that. So apparently uh, they had some thoughts of moving up there. And so I started getting in some trouble with some friends. And my parents were like, well, now seems like a perfect time to move. Mm. Uh, during that year, so it was my freshman year of high school. And so we started the move. And apparently it was a really bad winter up in Idaho. So they uh, started moving us up towards Idaho, but made a pit stop in a place called Corning, California. And in Corning, uh, after my first quarter of school um, in Paso Robles, we moved to Corning. So I basically was homeschooled for about a quarter. And at that time, I was, uh, man, ninth grade, freshman. Um, I needed people. I needed friends. And I didn't have any of that uh, yeah. in homeschool. So yeah. my parents said, okay, let's put them in Corning's public school, which basically meant uh, we are not moving to uh, Washington, Idaho at the time. So I spent another quarter uh, in Corning's high school. And then apparently after spring had uh, come through and the winter died down up there in Washington, we ended up moving to Washington for the fourth quarter of my freshman year. So my freshman year, I actually had four different high schools. Whoa. And that was, uh, yeah, that was an opportunity right there. That's adversity. It's best for us. For a 14 year old boy, uh, yeah, it was tender. That, and that's your freshman year? Yes. It's already a year of high school. Oh, man. I gotta, I already remember freshman year, let alone freshman year at four different schools. What? And you use the word, interesting, you, the adult you uses the word opportunity, but what is, what is the uh, 13, 14 year old um, word? What's the appropriate word for a 13, 14 year old? It's, it's probably not opportunity. I, I think you've grown into that word. But what is a 13 or 14 year old word? What comes out? And it, well, I don't think it, you could keep it PG, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think that word for a 14 year old uh, is appropriate for a podcast. Yeah. But at 14 for years some, old. It's appropriate for some podcasts, but I'm trying to keep this one. PG. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it was, um, it sucked. I mean, it, that's what it did. It, it, it was sucky. Um, I remember my parents saying that and I was like, what, what, these are, this is everything I know, my friends, this is my, my comfort, my confidence. And, you know, that everything that I had was there. I had my baseball team that I played on. I had the friends that I rolled around town with on my bike, my, rollerblades and you know that was my confidence right there and so moving to a little place called Corning you know it was sucky going from Paso Robles to this even uh, smaller town of Corning not knowing anybody and then basically I, I was at a point where I was looking for more trouble that's what it boiled down to so Corning wasn't any better. <laughs> Do you remember how you felt about yourself as an individual back in that time? Oh man. Yeah, I felt pretty solid, I think. Yeah, I felt really confident within myself. I just didn't know what the world thought of me because I had a, a haircut with shaved sides, long hair up on top, and I was, you know, I was confident. 
So how, my, how does my, a confident individual look for trouble? Well, like what, how do those kind of dance with each other? I'm, I'm trying to understand you're a confident individual, but you're looking for trouble. What's going on inside yeah. that's causing you to look for trouble? Uh, I was looking for a challenge. I think that's what it is. Uh, my parents pretty much, I mean, if I asked for something for the most part, they got it. Uh-huh. Um, there, there wasn't a whole lot they would say no to, but I knew the boundaries, you know, I knew, I knew how far I can go. And so because of that, I looked for areas that, you know, how can I challenge the world? How can I challenge the system? How can I, you know, be as uh, bold as I can without, you know, doing anything too crazy. Mm. So I was just looking for a challenge. That's really what it boiled down to. So this proud young man is looking for a challenge. Yes. Yeah. So where, where were you seeking out challenges? <laughs> we're going there. Hey, man, you don't have to. You don't have to go there. This yeah, is, no, I'm just kidding. These are I'm just the questions. <laughs> well, I I loved art. And so I found myself straight, uh, trying to steal pencils and pens from stores. Okay. And it was, you know, petty stuff. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I would love to draw with those. So I'm yeah. just going to see if I can snag those. Mm. It wasn't like we couldn't afford it. That wasn't even the situation. It wasn't that. I mean, five bucks for a pack of artist pencils wasn't a deal. So it wasn't a bad deal. Yeah. Right. Just do it. Right. It was more for the thrill. Ah, got it. What What was bringing up? What, so you're seeking out this thrill because what was going on inside? Um, I would say I was probably just frustrated i was looking mm. for some type of resolve and i think that okay. you know art gave that to me baseball gave that to me sports gave that to me yeah and i really didn't have it at the time yeah because you're you got four different high schools in one year so you, you didn't have any stability to play ball or you know i mean you probably could watch it on tv but mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. one thing between watching it and playing it right absolutely especially at that age like everybody's playing it right yeah yep yeah so, the transition from one school to the next school to the next school. And I I mean, what comes up for me is like, like being worried about what's next because of all the change. Did that ever come up for you? You know, I don't think that it did because it was, you know, it was an involuntary thing for me my parents were moving. And for me, it was just, I went with the flow and I moved a lot when I was a, a younger kid too. So for me, it wasn't, a surprise that we we're moving or is that have to going to meet new friends again? It was something that I just learned how to do because we moved so many times yeah. in my youth Yeah, uh, that by this time I was just rolling with it. And I still, to this day, you know, it's become my strength um, as much as it might drive my wife crazy, but I can roll with things like no other. It's, it's definitely a strength that I have. Okay. So at the time um, it was more, well, going from private or from a homeschool to a public school, I was like, all right, sweet. I get to find some friends. Yeah. And that's the way I seen it. And how, how does that work? How do you do that? What was, what was your go-to in, in finding friends? You know, I was me. Uh, I, I wasn't going to change me. So for me, it was just a matter of as I was going through school, who seemed to be uh, easy to talk to and where could I find common interests and does it seem to be an equally lined type of conversation uh, where it goes back and forth? And I think that's, that's become innate 
in me mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at a young age to where I could pretty much talk to anybody or find that common interest really fast. Yeah. And I use that, that skill to this day on the regular. Yeah. Well, I, I know that for sure. We'll get to that point. And so uh, you're looking for connection with people, with, with other individuals your age, right? Looking for commonalities and, and what's going to draw you closer together. Uh, when you said goodbye to some of these, these individuals that you um, were connected with, how did that look? Or did you get to say goodbye? I don't know what, when, you, when you up and left. How did that look um, leaving? Yeah, I do remember saying goodbye. And it was, it was painful. It's kind of like, well, I'll see you again. But deep down, I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to see them again, which, again, has become something in me to this day. Um, so I do remember having some heartache and pain for the, the friendships that I had. And then, you know, at 14 years old, it's hard to say bye to girls. It's just something that 14 year old boys can struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had a, I remember having a girlfriend and saying bye and it was painful. And we wrote letters back and forth for a time after that. And then same with Corning, you know, when it was public school there, you know, there was a girl that I met and that wasn't that hard because it wasn't like it was long or anything, but still, it's just like saying goodbye is a hard thing to do, especially when you don't know if you'll ever see that, ever see that person again. Mm. I remember writing letters after letters after letters. And that's how I communicated. Um, as you know, that was before the internet. That was back in the early nineties. Yeah. So I wrote a lot of letters, man. That's one thing that, yeah, I spent time with pen to paper. Yeah. That's, I mean, as a therapist, that's, I encourage people to put pen to paper to kind of get their thoughts out and their emotions out and, and mm-hmm. organize what's going on internally to externalize it and see it and, and work through it. So, I mean, therapeutically you were doing something pretty awesome, maybe not knowing at the time, but uh, to be able to put pen to paper is a, a pretty powerful thing to see. So it's painful. Uh, there's an adjustment, right? You have to um, kind of figure out where you, where you stand in each situation and adjust. And uh, you have a brother and sister, right? They're with you on this on this journey as well, correct? Uh, not on this particular journey. So my brother's seven years older, okay, and my sister's four years older. So. They had both graduated and moved on. Uh, so my okay. sister, oh, so you were by she graduated. Mom. Yeah, I was on my own. With okay. My parents. Okay. So the, the freshman year happens, and you're now up in Corning, or did, where did you end up at the end of that year? End of the freshman year, I ended up in a place called Newport, Washington. Actually, no, this is actually my sophomore year. So freshman year, I ended up in a place called Deer Park, Washington, which is about. 25 30 minutes north of spokane washington on the east side of the state okay still trying to make your way to idaho is that that correct yes okay that is correct so you you end up in deer park and so then you do you doesn't sound like you started your sophomore year in deer park (laughs) (laughs) no so my sophomore year uh you may recall that i came down to southern california spent time with my dad who at the time lived in long beach Yep. And uh, I came and visited you and Uncle Gus and Aunt Carol and Andrea and Jen. And you and I hung out for, I think, a week or two while I was down there. And it was at that time that I asked my dad and I asked Aunt 
Auntie Carol and Uncle Gus. It'd be cool if I stayed with you. Yeah. And then uh, went back to my mom because they were divorced and asked her if she'd be cool with it. So uh, the next five months, uh, sophomore year, I lived with Mr. Jeff Ortiz. That's right. And that's that summer, man, that summer was amazing, huh? The, we play, yeah. I think we played countless number of basketball games and just, <laughs> man, we, it was like the brother I never had really. And, uh, to, to create a bond, uh, like that was, it was awesome in that summer. Unfortunately, uh, how I remember the schools, the school year starting was that I was in football and that that was my junior year and mm-hmm. <laughs> football was quite the demand. Uh, a lot more demanding than I anticipated. And, you know, once uh, they called it back then was Hell Week. It was like a two-week period. But once that started, it it was like everything that we had built up was kind of kind of went to the back burner. And, you know, I saw we, – we, I mean, we shared a room together, so we saw each other, but it was mm-hmm. just – it was different, right? It was, but I, the way I'd seen it was you had your life and I totally understood that. I think it was, there was a very, there, there was clearly a spiritual reason to why I was there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Your football definitely was something that, that you were fully focused on. And for me, uh, what I was loving was the church and yeah. the youth group yep. and the, the community of people that we were with down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there was a plan bigger than what I had because it was during that time that I, you know, got baptized. Yes. And it wasn't long after I got baptized that I said, okay, I guess it's time to head on up to Washington. But uh, there is a, <laughs> there is a goodbye that we never had. I remember the exact day. I just remember coming home and like, well, where's Chris? And my, it was my mom telling me again that, well, he, you know, he, he wanted to go back and he, he missed home and, you know, that sort of thing. I was like, Oh, okay. And yeah, I, I, we didn't get that goodbye in, in that moment. Right. And so I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know if that was good or bad. It was just, that's what it was. Right. It's like this day and age, like, I don't know if it's good and bad that we can't talk to each other and go and, and commute and, and have community with each other right now, like at church or that sort of thing we won't know how, like how good or bad it is. We're just preparing kind of for the worst quote unquote, right. Um, with this pandemic we're facing, but it is what it is. And so I couldn't control the fact that, Hey, you, you were going home. Like there, there's nothing I can say or do. Right. I was like, I, I'm like, I love him. What he, we didn't even get to say goodbye and I'll leave it at that. So then, so then you go back to Washington. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and so you you spend the summer and the, the first part of the school year with us and it, you're involved in the youth group. You get baptized. You're the, the spiritual side comes alive. You recognize, oh, man, this is this is big and this is awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you take that with you to Washington. How does that work out? Uh, I had it in my heart. But I went to, again, a new school. So yeah. I wasn't going back to Deer Park. So I went to a whole new school oh, all over again in the middle of winter wow. um, in a place called Newport, Washington. Okay. And so uh, quick story on that. I remember walking into the school my first day and uh, it was so cold 
that as I was walking into the school, uh, something funny was going on with my nose. And I'm like, what in the world is that? So I asked the guy that was showing me around the school, like, what just happened to my nose? And he goes, oh, that's your nose hairs freezing together because it's so cold outside. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll never forget that because oh I never lived in snow. I never knew that type of life. And here I am, like, being thrown into this culture of uh, small town, snow, it's freezing outside. And, yeah, you won't be seeing the sun uh, with uh, green grass for another three or four months. So yeah, figure that out. Um. And so my faith, I mean, I, I had my faith. I, I felt strong in my faith, but it pretty much just, um, I drifted. Yeah. And yeah. didn't come back to it for, for years later. Yeah. So. But it was there. Did you, so did you end up graduating from Newport? I did, fortunately. Yes, that is where I ended up graduating okay. in 1996. So you spent the next two, what, two and a half years there? Yep. So there's yep. a little more stability in, in that, right? That you're able to mm -hmm. make relationships and, you know, get through, the, you know, get through the last part of high school. How, how does somebody with that much transition and I mean, I mean, in my mind, it's like up and down. How does that impact you as an adult? You know, I still believe that it's uh, those years that actually de define who I am. And I say that in a positive way because, you know, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. Um, at the time, it just was what it was. Uh, it wasn't that I had an option. It, I just rolled with it. But even to this day, it's like, you know, like you said, we didn't have a chance to say goodbye. But that was a, a good example of like what life was for me and how I had seen relationships. And I felt like, this isn't the last time I'm ever going to see Jeff. Yeah. I'll see him again, yeah. especially being my cousin. Yeah. But it was, you know, this will continue, but for now we're, we're this next phase, I have to go do this. Yeah. And I, I genuinely believe that relationships are in our lives for a reason mm. um, in certain seasons. Mm -hmm. And those seasons are for that individual to be there. And it could be just for a month, or a week. It could be six years. That relationship, I think uh, you want to lean into why people are, where they are in your life because it's important that um you get to enjoy each other whatever that means to that relationship and and for me people come and go um, i don't i have i think one friend that i've had for over 20 years mm. other than my family and you know obviously my cousins aunts and uncles and so on and so forth yeah. but that one friend and i for whatever reason he's a non-believer i'm a strong christian and it's funny it's it's beautiful because just this past couple months he was like he started coming around to the idea that there might be a, a, a God that loves him and is going to be there for him. So every relationship has that level of um, relationship for a reason. And I truly believe that. So for me, I can meet somebody and I can be uh, talking to them quickly about something that they enjoy because that brings me joy to talk about them. Yeah. But I think most importantly is like, I like to go deep. I like to I like to challenge people to to find the the worth within themselves and to try to bring it out to where they can actually go do what ultimately they want to do and their their heart is hurts desire is yeah um, and I think it freaks people out because I like to go deep quick and I try to get there quick and they're like who is this guy like what's he trying to do like why does he got to be all like that so I have to be 
cautious of going there so fast. Yeah, well, you know, coming from a man who's experienced a lot of transition, it, you know, at times I think that's probably been something that you relied on to to make that connection. Mm-hmm. But yes, the average person, Christopher, uh, is a little more cautious <laughs> in being vulnerable. And, you know, it takes a little more time. But so, so tell me how you've used this to uh, help you professionally. I mean, I know the answer to it, but once you tell the listeners how you've used this ability to connect with people and the um, the transition from you know one school to the other, and how have you used this to to make a living? You know, I always say that I'm in sales, and the truth is, I'm a horrible salesperson. <laughs> like <laughs> the the traditional sales that you know companies may want, like I'm not that guy. But for me, it's it's relation relationship and it's it's finding uh the value within two people that's mutual and it makes sense and it's it's appropriate for both of them to move forward and that's really what i'm about is you know building relationships in a way that uh, help the individuals grow together um and i love bringing out the best in people i love seeing people for who they are and uh, inviting them to understand and even think about some of the things that they felt have been a challenge or were something that wasn't so great in life, but trying to find the the silver lining in those things yeah. because it can help them in the future if they really hone in on why that certain thing happened and what they can do with it to actually move themselves forward. Um, I think there's a quote, I don't know the quote exactly, but I'll share what it, the premise is. But Simon Sinek said something on a podcast I listened to not too long ago, and it was, the, the challenges that people face in their youth and their adolescence and, and how they overcome those challenges, those adversities, ultimately become their strengths later in life because it was such a hard thing to overcome. But because they overcame it, they now use that in their current professional relationships. And I really started leaning into that and started thinking about what that looked like for me. And it made total sense because I didn't know that I was using those uh, tools, right? but it's there for everybody if, if they really pay attention to it and actually seek out how they are using that today and actually apply it on a regular basis. And that, that, that's one of the things that I speak about is, you know, uh, the perspective, you know, I think it takes a, a strong individual to have a, a positive perspective to look at the past playing a, a key role in helping them get to a place where they can utilize that and, and getting back to that word that you used earlier as an opportunity for them um, to grow uh, as an adult, you know, and so and it doesn't even have to be an adult. You can be a young adult. You could be a you know teenager, adolescent, but it, using that pain for purpose. Right. And so I think that gets to that victory mindset and how to incorporate that. But it, it's reframing the adversity that we face. So you you obviously have reframed how you've looked at the transition and the, the, all the, all the movement that you experienced as uh, a young individual and, you know, repurposed it. So that way you, you do look at it as an opportunity, you know, and that you're looking at an opportunity to connect with people, to encourage them and inspire them to live and do what they, they, you know, they've been called to do or that they feel like they need to do or whatever that looks like. That sound right? Absolutely. So with, with this repurposing, with this, how you reprocess your upbringing 
and where you're at now. What what are you doing right now with your life um, professionally? You know what? Let's not go professional. What are you doing right now with your life in this current situation? How how are you reframing what we're in right now with this pandemic that we're we're experiencing? Yeah, this pandemic is it's challenging everybody, everybody, and every household has its challenges, especially husband and wife being home. Challenges, really? For <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's uh, funny. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, so for me personally, um, <laughs> it's crazy. Like things happen for that reason. You know, the same thing. I keep going back to that. You know, I happen to be let go from my job um, pretty much the week that they said kids need to be home from school. I had a job that was demanding and it was uh, obviously full time. So at the end of that first week where the kids had to be home, um, my the co-founders of the company I was working for, which was a startup, called me and said, hey, we're going to let you go. Um, appreciate your time here, but uh, we, we're going into a different season. I said, okay, you know what? This is a blessing yeah. because I have to be a full-time teacher. Yeah. My wife is, she is a director for a large corporation and she's going to be in a hot seat having to, to dive into work and take care of business. So the timing was perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm right now today, as we know it, a, a husband, a father, a school teacher, uh, PE, math, science, <laughs> oh, all of man. it. I can't. <laughs> For a third grader and a kindergartner. Oh, no. No, thank you. <laughs> and, and we're on, you know, we're in quarantine in our house. Yeah. So it's, I'm growing through that. At the same time, you know, I have a business that I have had plans to, to grow. So when I was, you know, let go, I was like, all right, let's put some time into the business. But right now, you know, that's, kind of in the back burners until we can get through the school thing, which is going to be through the end of the school year, the summer, and then into the fall. Um, hopefully we'll be able to get kids back to school. Right. Oh man. That, mm. I, I, t- <laughs> I tell you being on the, on the opposite side, you know, having um, two stepdaughters who are, are into their, into their twenties and done with high school and college and um, having an older son who's working, uh, full time. And then my, my youngest is a senior this year. And I tell you the hard part with this, you know, is not sure if he's going to get a graduation. I mean, it, as of today, it doesn't look good. Um, I, it, he, luckily he's pretty, he's pretty flexible. He's pretty easy going. I think, you know, you talk about how you, you go with the flow and you're, you're able to just kind of go with it. I think Ryan's the same way. But what hurts for me is the uh, not being able to celebrate because it's not, you know, I'll just be honest. It's not just about Ryan, right? It's about we celebrating the parents getting their kids through school. And it's like you graduate high school, that's a big deal, right? And especially in our culture. And we, I think about when I did and, you know, you may think about when you did. And it's, it's a big deal because now you can go to work. I mean, you can go in the military and go to war. I mean, there's a lot of things that you're now a quote unquote adult and not being able to celebrate that is a challenge. I'm, I'm sure there is a lot of, a lot of parents out there that um, are looking at the situation like, wow, I did not think it was going to go like that. Can you speak to that? Like, 
just maybe I didn't anticipate this, like just that, that kind of shock of, oh my goodness. I mean, just think about you had a, a, a position in which you're working full time and I know you're traveling and setting up and you're working hard. I've talked to you through that. And now you're thrust into you're at home, you're with the kids all the time and you're a teacher and you're still dad. And then, you, you know, you got to be a husband to support your wife that is going, you know, she's in the corporate world and she she's a director and the, the, all the demands and responsibilities that come with that. And she she's working from home and just, oh, what what's man? <laughs> what is that like uh, reflecting like what would just what comes up? What are some pain points in that? That would. Oh man, pain. Yeah, that other people that can identify with. You know, I think for me, it's I don't know that there's any pain in it, other than. uh, So pain points, struggles, challenges, difficulties, feelings, emotions. Yeah, I would say doing a third grade uh, curriculum with a third grade boy at nine years old is <laughs> a pain point. But at the same time, he's such a, a good little dude. He um, he gets his work done. I, all I have to do is to try to keep him on task. But then having a kindergartner, you know, a five-year-old who, you know, he's looking for anything else to do other than what he needs yeah. to do. But once you get him into it, he's like, he's got the groove. Right. But, you know, this whole transition, like it's this is hard for teachers yeah. to get the information to the parents, uh-huh. for the parents to take that curriculum and turn it into their schoolwork for the kids. Like mm-hmm. and doing it for two different age groups is a challenge. Um, meanwhile, you know, my wife is in our bedroom working like nine hours straight, like literally uh, not moving from her chair uh. because that's the demand that she has. The, the work that she has is, it's crazy. I didn't think that there'd be certain co- corporations that have this type of demand, but there is, there's, there's companies out there that are, demanding more from their employees and i don't know that it's okay like there's there should be boundaries in some of those areas which is for that individual to draw the boundaries but the scary thing that is those individuals might be concerned for their job like right now people are losing their jobs because of this and it's getting heavier and heavier and there's going to be more and more people losing jobs because of what's going on so oh it's scary and now we're one one income family, so she loses her job. Things change quite a bit, and then you have to look at okay, what jobs can we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have to go through that whole thought process. So there's mm-hmm. absolutely um, uh, a lot of unknowns. And for me, as as I explained earlier, like unknowns for me, I'm cool. Like I'm good because <laughs> that's been my whole life. Is I don't know what's coming up next, but whatever it is, that's going to be epic. Yeah. And that's just the way I look at it. But not everybody has that experience. So my wife, <laughs> no. she's a native Sacramentan, man. She's like, she's known her community and not much beyond yeah. that other than her work world. So for her, she's like, I just need to know what the plan is. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there is no plan, right? Right. I, right. I, I think you and I are, there's a lot of similarities between you and I, and that's definitely one of them that uh, I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, and I, I think that's a strength for us because we don't know, but 
we just trust and have faith. And I think this is where our faith comes in more than anything. It's like, yeah, I would love to have all the answers. I love how that, you know, a 10 point plan and, you know, have this and that. But the truth is no matter how prepared you are at times, you, you can still find yourself in a position of not knowing. And this is where, you know, we get to that, that crossroad, right? We could choose faith or we choose fear, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's really, you know, that we could choose the victim mindset or the victory mindset. We can be positive and optimistic or we can be negative and pessimistic. And it's really that fork in the road. It's like, okay, which one am I going to choose? And, you know, what is that? I mean, I ask the question all the time of myself. What does that say about me if I choose this road or if I choose that road? And how do I want, how do I want to influence the people around me? How do I want to share my life and you know in that flexibility i find that it's easier for me to be positive and it's easier for me to be optimistic either easy way easier for me to have faith even though i don't know what the outcome is and and in my opinion i'm like as long as i'm with my people (laughs) i don't care where we're at i'm like i'm sure i will care if i get if it gets worse but i mean really i have my people and i have my faith and i have a god that loves me and I have a God that that cares for me. Um, how, how do you view it? And I, I'm sure it's going to be similar, but th- there's definitely a perspective of yours that, you know, based on your life experience and the fl- how flexible you, you know that that strength that you have. How's it? How's it? How's it communicate to somebody who wants maybe more um, concrete? Uh, support and structure and knowing exactly what's going to happen. Cause I, I know my wife is similar in that regard. Like she just wants to know. And I'm like, I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes down to uh, the, the controllables. Like what can we control? What can't we mm. control? And the things that we can't control, you know, our attitude, our outlook, our positivity or negativity, but we can control That's those right. things. And, how we think, right? It's. I always like that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I always like that that comment that's made in The Incredibles, where the wife is talking to Mister Incredible, and he's off on the side doing his hero thing, and she's like running the family. Yeah. And she gets upset. She says, "It's not about you." <laughs> and just remembering, like, we have to be the strength for somebody yeah. else. Like we need to be positive for somebody else because they, they're looking for that positivity. Um, we all know how it is when you're around somebody that's negative. Yeah. It's draining. It's like, oh my gosh, I just can't handle being around the negativity yeah. all the time. So for, for me personally, it's like I, I don't consciously work at being positive anymore because it's something that I've built. Yeah, it's in there. Mm-hmm. But you want, you want to feel good, think positive. You want to do good, think positive. You want to feel good, do good, and impact the world, do it for other people because other people are dependent yep. on you to actually be that strength, whether you know it, whether you don't. And they'll remember you saying that one thing that was so positive to them, even though it just rolled off your tongue and you didn't think another thought about it. Um, people love that positive energy and we need it more now. Than That's ever. right. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been in, the, I've been in certain circumstances. My neighborhood has never been more friendly. Mm-hmm than they are today it may be at six foot distance yeah. but that people are seeing that's hello. true 
Uh, people are out yep. and about uh, going on their exercise, walking their dog, yep. whatever it is. But then you go to the supermarket and it's like heads down, gloves on, mask on. And it's <laughs> like, there's, there's not a whole lot of social going on. It's yeah. Like uh, well, that, be cautious of the people. That's that one of the things that I have a difficult time with. And I've said it on other podcasts is that we call it social distancing and in the subconscious, if you say it's social distancing, people aren't going to acknowledge each other. What we need to do is call it physical distancing. Mm-hmm. Cause that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. We can still be social. Like we are in our neighborhoods, like you're, you're experiencing in your neighborhood and I am in mine and we can still you know, acknowledge each other, talk to each other, kind of figure out how we're getting through this together um, and still be social, but maintain physical distance. Absolutely. It is. Physical distancing is, is critical. I mean, we are social creatures. Right. We are social beings. Um, and we need to continue that social for that, for the sake of the positivity uh-huh. and lifting each and other. And influencing up. each other, right? Like, I, man, there's one thing I know about Christopher. He's he's going to bring the positive energy. He's going to to love on you and influence you. And you know, it's he's definitely built the muscle to that. That's just what comes out. It's you know, there, of course, he's had he has difficult moments. Man, he's got two little kids. So and he's got two older ones and two little ones. And it's you know it can be a challenge at times, but he's always looking for a way to reframe and turn into positive experience and moment. And um, so if you don't mind, talk about a little bit about, about your business, like what, you know, you, you got um, laid off a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago or something like that. Right. But you do have a business that you're, you're, you're bringing to the forefront. What What is that business going to do? I want people to know that part about you and maybe they can utilize your services as well. Sure. Well, I did not expect this, but uh, here we go. <laughs> so O2 Solutions, that's uh, me, Chris Ortiz, Ortiz 2 Solutions is the name of the company. But um, my focus is on the leadership. So the owners, the, the people that actually influence okay. the team. Because a lot of companies don't have a real clear mission or mm. vision for mm-hmm. their company. And what we want to bring out is like, why, why are we doing business? Like, what's the product and, and why are we okay. doing business? So we can help the leadership say, okay, this is why we're doing business. This is our vision. Um, because without that, the rest of the team can't rally behind that mission and vision and go do passionately what they're being hired and called to do. So if we can clearly identify what that vision and mission is, uh, that will help the company. But a lot of companies do have that. Mm-hmm. So then we take it to the the next level of leadership um, and understanding what their role is within that mission mm-hmm. and vision. So really starting with why. Why is that individual in that leadership role? And how do we get them into a place to where they can actually um, rally behind it and influence their team to do the same? And we focused on the top three pain points uh, for the individual and for the mm-hmm. corporation. And then wherever the, the lowest hanging fruit or the most impactful um, solution that we can come up with, then we'll start applying uh, the tactics to actually overcome those challenges. Nice. So it's really, about, it's really about building a better culture and helping your people understand you know, why they are uh-huh. there as well. Uh, because if we can do that at the leadership level and it cascades down, everybody starts to see that influence, that positivity, that 
strength of why we're all doing what we're doing. And then you start to learn what people don't fit the culture because there's going to be an expectation of um, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Um, And there's a book called the energy bus uh, for those of you that want to understand a little bit about the direction O2 solutions is going, read the energy bus and it helps give perspective to, to what we're trying to accomplish. That's awesome, man. When you, when you're talking, I'm thinking about companies that have, you know, an environment in which I can go into. So I'm thinking the service, the service companies and the Chick-fil-A is one of them where you go in, you're greeted, they're asked mm-hmm. about how your day is and, you know, they provide, they, they give you great service They give you, obviously the product is great, but it's the service. The service is what brings me back. I tell my wife, I said, if I go to a restaurant and I have good service, I'm going back and I'm going to leave a great tip. I'm like, that's just what it is for me. I mean, of course, the food, you know, is, is it's got to be decent, right? But uh, I, I, I tell, I said, the service is great. I'll go back even if this, the food is subpar. Um, and But I think about the culture and the leadership and how that's created. And, and I know you and I know your heart's desire to help companies and, and create that environment, that create that energy. Um, in which the customer feels valued and that's done because in my opinion the you know the work leaders the the owner is extending that value to their team absolutely service is king and that's in every capacity and every company has some level of service and uh, I think it's important that that we understand that and we help our team understand that because it's that person that that's hired that might be the receptionist or the front desk person who answers the phone. And if that person's not positive and uplifting and inviting and approachable, and they have a little hint of negative or any hint of chip on the shoulder, um, that could be, that's a detriment to the business because that's the front lines. They, they're the ones receiving people in and uh, you know, Chick-fil-A it's yeah. my pleasure. That's uh that is taking all of the burden of the world and taking it to that very, that very special moment of interaction in that relationship. And they are uh, doing it with a joyful yeah. heart and telling them it's a pleasure to serve them. It's and that's beautiful. beautiful. Chick-fil-A is an yeah. excellent job. Yeah. So for you companies out there, you maybe you're a, a small, small business or a large business. I, I don't know if you're listening to this and you, my brother's out there. He's going to help you. How, Christopher, how, if they wanted to get in touch with you, how would they be able to do that? Uh, easy way is Ortiz Two Solutions online. Uh, I don't know if you have. We can yeah, put links can, up on. I can do links, but once you tell them, yet, to. but we yeah. can always do something like that. Um, call, look me up on LinkedIn. That's always a great way to go. LinkedIn is uh, one of my favorite tools, just because it's a great social networking tool for the professionals. But uh, Chris Ortiz on LinkedIn, and those are probably the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Um, yeah, love to talk. Love to to see what we can do to help you take a step forward in uh, identifying your pain points, your vision, your mission, and then putting some baby steps in process to to create a nice, clear plan and path to where oh, you want to awesome, go. Awesome, man. Yeah. 
I tell you, the, this is this is one man you want in your life to help your business and organization to to get to where you've always wanted it to go. Um, Christopher is amazing. So I'm I'm just gonna say that and it's not just because he's my my cousin. It's because of the relationship that we have and the the investment that he's put into me and the investment I put into him. Amazing, amazing man. So a couple questions before we before we end. Some fun questions. You up for it? Right. <laughs> Brian Buffini likes to do this on his podcast. And so I'm like, ah, I'm going to ask some, some questions myself. Eh, they'll be simple, easy questions. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too, uh, too much that you can't handle. So you, uh, the last book you read. Last book I read. I mean, the book that I'm in the middle sure. of right now is called The One Thing. Ooh, the One Thing. Is it good? Tell me a little about it. Real quick. Yes, it's a book, and its premise is as multitasking is not everything that mm-hmm. they say it is. It's actually yes. a distraction, and the one thing helps you clearly focus on the one thing that needs to be done. So that way, you could get it done well. You could get it done right, and you can really uh, spend time making sure that you have confidence behind. Oh, that I love one it. Thing. Love it. And on the on the Brian Buffini side of it. I'm a big Brian yes. Buffini fan. There's another one called the the power of oh, the power of oh, I can't remember. So you're on the spot head. now. That's why. I know. I'll get it. In a okay. How about next question? Uh, favorite sports team? Since you love sports, uh, we're gonna have to go with the Oakland Athletics for uh, sure. Green and gold, baby. The hard part about. You're trying to make me cry? You're trying to get me to cry again, aren't you? I see what's up. That's messed up, man. Like, I already told you I shed a tear over baseball. I just asked who your favorite ball team is. That's it. <laughs> my my favorite team is the, the the Angels, and, you know, they're in the same division, but the A's always beat the Angels, so it's not even – like, I can't even talk smack anymore. It's not even, not even fun. Yeah, you watch yourself. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, your favorite song to listen to? Oh man, maybe right now or ever, with, oh, that's or, or maybe the last song you listened to. Uh, let's see here. The name of, of course, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, the lyrics go: "He is jealous for me. It loves like a hurricane." I'm like a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. What's his name? Matt? Matt? Not Matt Marner, is it? No, it's not Matt. Matt. Matthew West? No, it's not Matthew West. But that's it's, a, it's all right. I forget names. Like I never forget a face, but names, I'm sorry. If I know you, and I've seen you before. I remember your face, but the name is sometimes eludes me. My brother, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you, Jeff. I love you, as you know, and um, I appreciate everything that you're doing. You know, introducing me to uh, the the small group of people that we can lean into each other and small communities that are being built up to, to support yeah. and love each other. Uh, we all need to do that for, 
for each other. And I think these podcasts are great. They're only going to get um, better and I look forward to seeing where you go. And obviously going to be there to support you because uh, uh, you got a huge heart and anybody that knows you knows that you're going to do wonderful things. And uh, it's been my pleasure spending the hour with you. And I can only hope that, you know, this impacts yes. one person. If it impacts yes. one person, that's, boom, that's, that's what matters. <laughs> just that one person. I'm not, I'm not, we're not after the millions, man. Trust me. We're just after the one. And, you know, just like uh, our Lord and Savior, he's just after the one. And so, you know, it, it, if this grows into something big, great, but it will still always be all about the one. <laughs> and I, I pray that my brother will, will humble me <laughs> when I need to be humbled and uh, that, that, and remind me that it is, it's always about the one. And so if this speaks to you, you know, th this is why it exists. And um, I love you, Christopher. I love uh, people. I, I just, you know, just like you, I, I want, people to see how much strength they have, how much love they have inside them so that they can, they can share that with the world. And, you know, when we're focused on, on the past hurts and the pain and the negativity, it, it's very difficult to do that, but it's reframing and reprocessing and repurposing that pain that allows us to make those connections. So brother, thank you so much. I love you. And uh, God bless you. And uh, I know you and I will be talking very soon. You got it. And one last thing, the David ah, Crowder band, How, How he, he loves. loves. It's a beautiful song. A song. All right, my brother. Absolutely. God bless you. It's been good. Talk God to you bless soon. you as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Love Big, Love Wide podcast. And as always, we can connect on social media, Instagram. You can reach me at Jeff underscore Ortiz underscore LBLW. You can also email me at LBLWguy at gmail.com. And you can reach out to me. I got a cell phone. You can text me, call me, 626 261 3299. If you're looking for somebody to help coach you through life and tackle some of the things that uh, you're struggling with, I'm here for you. I'm here to help people. That's what I was put on this planet to do. So if that is something that you would like to consider, connect with me. Let's see what we can work out and uh, help you live the best version of you possible. That is always my goal with these podcasts with the work that I do. So I'm here, I'm here to help you. And I hope this podcast uh, spoke to you and connected with you, encouraged you and inspired you. God bless you guys.